it's the communication and the deepening of intimacy that's really the spice of being open because when you have to really own up to what you're feeling what your triggers are naming that emotion is hard for people and then going into how to move forward from it you create so much vulnerability Mm -hmm. and hopefully it doesn't deter you because what likely seems scary these conversations or seem like challenging or seem not worth it they are the thing that's actually going to make your relationship so much richer so much more connected you'll you'll know each other on a deeper level you'll get over some of your own stuff if you really look and dig and like unearth where does the jealousy come from and as scary as they are to like look at like a mountain ahead when you get there when you get past them you're gonna be so glad that you did it it's gonna feel like the ultimate like master class or graduation in awareness Welcome back to another episode of Get Psyched. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today the host of the Open Late podcast, Jessica, is joining me to talk all about polyamory. This is a question I have been getting quite a bit from listeners, and I am not an expert, so I brought on one to answer all of your questions. Today, we talk about how Jessica went from a good girl to playing the field, the difference between collaboration and competition, and how to start to have the conversation with your partner if you do want to open up, if you want to explore polyamory. We myth bust quite a bit today. We dive deep into emotions, into our own personal development and sexual development as a means of personal development. So if any of that tickles your fancy, you are in the right place. And I cannot wait for you to hear today's episode. Also, be sure to hit the link in the show notes, Lindsay and Element, L-M-N-T, to get your hands on my favorite hydration supplement. It is so delicious, clean ingredients, and my go-to, whether it is salting the rim of a margarita or sipping after a nice trip to the sauna. So be sure to hit that link, grab your sample pack. All you pay for is shipping. So there is no reason to wait. Get your hands on some delicious, salty element. And until next week, enjoy the show. Jessica, welcome, welcome, welcome to Get Psyched. I'm so excited. We had a couple hiccups getting you here. So I've had like, I've been blue balled into this conversation. I'm so (laughs) excited to have it, Um, especially because in my practice and within the show, within my friend groups and anything and everything in between, polyamory is just becoming more of a household word where I think before it was kind of, and I think, and you can tell me here if I'm wrong, there is still some charge behind the word and some shame behind the word, but because it's becoming uh, more of a household term, I think it's really important to kind of have these more open conversations about it. And so I immediately wanted to reach out to you. Um, But before I dive into too far, for people who don't know who you are, could you give a little brief intro and and say hey to the Get Psyched fam? (laughs) Yes. Well, first of all, Lindsay, thank you for having me. I am really excited to be here. I love your show too and your perspective on things from your position um, and the way you kind of think about things through the lens of like the mind and really evolution and like how everything works. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a bit of a personal development junkie myself. And so I think my entry point into non-monogamy came by way of me not wanting to settle in any area of my life um, for the growth that was possible and it wasn't really a conscious choice I like to think it was you know like looking back I'm like oh yeah we knew what we were doing Um, but we really didn't I my husband and I met about 10 years ago actually in April and we had both been you know in bad relationships good relationships but mostly monogamous relationships and you know both of us had infidelities um you know we'd been cheated on traumatized like actually i'd been traumatized before um in a relationship and i think when we got together we were like we don't want to get stagnant we don't want to not be truthful with one another we want a relationship where we can ultimately be ourselves 100 percent. and for me that was so important because i grew up 
you know, um, in a, I'm from the East Coast. I went to Catholic school. My parents aren't very like conservative Catholic, but definitely this idea of two people equals marriage, equals children, equals happiness. And I didn't really buy it, but I never really questioned it. I just sort of resigned to the fact that I would have to settle as well. And then lo and behold, um, I had a very traumatic um, sort of revelation with a monogamous person that I bought a home with, thought I was going to marry and found out that they had slept with like over 50 women in the course of the two and a half years we were together. And I found all oh this, my gosh. this video proof, believe it or not, which was wild. Um, that was like sitting out for me too. It wasn't like I had to snoop for it. It was like just very universal divine intervention. And so at that point, I went on my own self self love journey and I was like, how am I, what was my role in this? Right? Like, how was I responsible for mm. getting here? Because I can't put the blame on this person entirely. You know, I had taken a personal development course where I got deep into like understanding responsibility uh, on, you know, in that way and on a deep level of like, we're responsible for everything in our lives. Um, especially after like 16 years old, you're not responsible for like childhood drama, but you're certainly responsible for how you're going to heal it once you're older. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, I don't want to be with anybody. I would like to get my freak on at that point. <laughs> I've been a really good girl, right? Because that's what I thought I was supposed to be. And so I wanted to like date and play the field. Can I met my husband? He was actually like my rebound partner. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, which is wild. And so I kind of pushed him away or like I staved him off and um, because I was committed, I'm like, no, I want to kind of date and and be alone. And we had this wild, crazy up and down first year um, and he was very persistent, which nowadays I'm like, I don't know if that level of persistence would fly in today's climate, <laughs> but I'm glad that he was because ultimately like I was in love with him and I was sort of just pushing him off because I was like I need to do this healing thing and so and so I went down that road and so that's kind of how we got together and sort of my background in um, being kind of close-minded and very much I had a lot of shame around sexuality um, I had had almost experiences with women like I walked out of multiple threesomes in like my 20s because I was like what is this going to mean what is it going to say about me what are people mm -hmm. going to think um mm -hmm. it was like riddled with all of that um shame and potential guilt and fear um and so when Pasha and I got together and we decided that we were going to be together I was like I don't want anything conventional I want to continually choose each other I don't want to be together by default I don't want to get stagnant and we weren't like okay let's do this open thing but we started to tell each other, like, I don't want to hide the fact that I'm attracted to somebody else. We never thought we would act on it, but we just got in the practice of being honest. And we got in the practice of like telling each other our fears and telling each other our turn ons. And so after a couple of times of like sharing that I was really attracted to women, we ended up taking home a friend of mine um, from a party. And it was completely like accidental, not premeditated at all. And that was it. After that, we were like, we kind of unpacked everything the next day. And one thing led to another. We started having more experiences like that, seeking them out a bit more intentionally. And then they would also happen organically. It was like the universe kept saying like, here you go. <laughs> like, here you right. Go. Um, and, you know, it came with a lot of like learning and challenges and integration. Um, and after about two years of that, we started to explore solo and like being open, which mm -hmm. was harder because it felt like, you know, okay, there's a whole other box of like potential pain and fears and considerations. Um, and we did that and we worked through that. And then about five, six years, six years into our, no, five years into our relationship, we actually met some, someone who then became like a full-time partner, um, who are still, you know, with in, in some ways and our relationship still functions um, as the three of us. Um, her name is Lauren. And so, and then we were like, okay, now we're polyamorous. Like, so it's been a gradual process to get here. Um, I always remind people that because they're like, oh my God, you're doing it and it looks so easy. And like, you guys aren't jealous. And I'm like, yeah, but you're seeing the product of eight years of, of working at this and developing it and sort of evolving into who we are now. 
Um, it wasn't like this way in the beginning. In fact, it was like, I was so terrified of ending up like this because I thought that mm. that was, you know, bad or wrong and I didn't want anyone to know. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about how I got here in my journey. And along the way, I've been a coach and my coaching has evolved. Um, originally, I was just wanted to help people with their lives. And then once I started to explore and learn and grow and heal through my relationship, that's when I started focusing on other people's relationships and um, helping them have more fulfilling or designed relationships based on like who they are and what they want and what their needs are. And that doesn't always mean open. Like many of my clients are monogamous, but um, they're opening up to things that they would have never considered before sexually um, or intimately. It doesn't always mm -hmm. have to be about sex. And so, yeah, that's how I got here. I have so many questions. <laughs> okay, <good. laughs> so something I love that you said was that I wanted to continuously and actively choose my partner every day. Um, I actually saw a post that you had done a while back about, you know, we get this, um, uh, this vision, right? Like we're on the hunt, we're on the chase, and then we get the thing and then get really complacent. And you were kind of talking about, um, in a way staying in the honeymoon phase, which mm -hmm. you were the first person to bring up that that can stick around, right? Everyone's like, cool, enjoy it while it's here. And then when it's not do quote unquote, the work. So can you talk a little bit more about choosing your partner every day and what that, what that work looks like? Yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up because it's, it, it's a really awesome thing that I love to talk about because most people, it's an aha for them. They're like, oh wait, I can stay. I call it discovery mode. Um, you know, and I love it. The honeymoon phase discovery mode. Um, and really there's a big danger of the one and making the one your everything. It's sort of this model that we're, we're brought up with or that we're handed to us. It's a system. It's like money, right? We don't choose it. We, we are born into this system. And I think many of us are born into this cultural system of the one and monogamy and it's so dangerous to even the happiest most perfectly matched couples because when you have too much consistency you get complacent um and so i shared an episode um called staying in discovery mode and it's all about how to constantly and actively be creating newness to be creating novelty and excitement even in long-term monogamous relationships um, and you know, we're not perfect at it, but I think that when we are following these steps, which even for us, like we fall off the track and I'm like, I'm the one who came up with these and I'm sure other people have versions of it, but when we are on it, like our relationship gets like jacked to the roof. Like we actually just, the first thing that I love to talk about is like having couple goals and it's so important to be working towards something together because when you're in a relationship, you have a lot of things you're working towards, especially if you're sort of on that relationship escalator train of like, okay, dating and then marriage and then house and then kids or in whatever order. It doesn't have to be in that order, but, and then you kind of rest. So I think it's so valuable for people to have goals together as a couple. It could be something super silly, like we're going to learn to surf together. Not that that's silly. I think that's rad. Um, but having a common thing that you're working towards together that you're committed to that could either be a challenge or maybe even cause some struggle is really healthy um and then the flip side of that is having independent goals as well and sharing those with your partner things that have nothing to do with them that you're working towards so you sort of remain in that state of independence and that you also have something that you're doing that's new and fun and exciting that then you can come back and share because there's nothing sexier than like not knowing everything about a person oh desire, my gosh yes yeah. <laughs> like desire needs mystery and so um, we just did this and we hadn't done couple goals in two years. And I'm like, here I am the girl who's talking about, you got to have couple goals. And we hadn't actively done, we usually do them around new years. And, um, we had a lot of individual personal goals. We're both, we were both in a scaling phase of our businesses. So that was taken care of, but we got together this new year. Well, in Jan, mid January 
and we like had a great dinner. It was super intentional. I put these super sexy date nights on the calendar when I see that he's free and then I don't tell him what we're doing. And so we, I like made dinner in like lingerie and an apron. And then we like wrote out our goals like while we were eating. And then it was funny, I'll go into a little side note story, but his Christmas gift was, I just got a canvas and non-toxic like body paint and like wrapped it and gave it to him. And I was like, this is what we're gonna do. So then we wrote our goals all over the canvas in like a marker. And then we like painted the canvas. Oh my gosh. How I'm like already, I'm not only am I sitting here like writing show notes, I'm writing relationship. Yeah. Notes. yeah. Um, I was, I was thinking, I feel like I need to record an episode of like talking about that, but I have, yes, I please. Like so fun. There's a company called like love is art or something that like puts together a whole kit for you. Um, but I just like went to the store. So anyway, back to the point is like, are now that we like we have these like 10 things that we're working towards together because like we already have a house and we have businesses and like we have great car like you know the things that you think you want and so it's like now what are we doing like Mm. our our goals are you know we we do want to have a family so like that's on there but we also want to surprise each other more so twice a month we like i do a surprise he does a surprise and that's like part of our date night and that's on there and we want to spend like more time with family so we put like family vacations on there this time um just being like really intentional about spending time with our families and so it's ignited this new like awareness in what we're working towards together because we do already spend a lot of time apart and that's the second thing about like being in discovery mode um that we like had down so we needed to check back in with that and then the third thing about being in discovery mode is the power of community Mm. Um, we all come from tribes in some way or another. And I know tribe is kind of like a hot word. Like people don't like to use it because they think it's insensitive. But I think in relationship to where we all come from, we all come from villages of some sort that we lived in and we worked in and we raised our children in together. And so I think when you're in a relationship more than ever, I mean, we already lose it just by way of being in a Western society. We don't know our next door neighbors names in a lot of instances. Um, But even more so, I find that when you're in a committed relationship, you lean on that person for everything. Mm -hmm. And that's at the detriment, not only to the relationship, because it puts so much pressure on your partner to show up for you in ways that they don't likely have all the tools to do. But the flip side of that is then you're not accessing like all parts of yourself. Because when you're in relationship with one person, you tend to lean into the parts of you that interact well with the parts of them. And if you think about, you know, we're all like a big, like we're a whole, right? Like a pie. So when I'm with my husband, I'm probably using like 50% of myself, but I'm not often using like my artistic side or like the side that loves to go dancing or the side that's like super spiritual because that's really not what he's into. So we don't connect on that level. I, try, I actively stay in my feminine when I'm with my husband because I love polarity and he lo- loves to be in his masculine. So when I'm with other people in our community and I'm like accessing those relationships, I access more masculine parts of myself. I can be more of a teacher and um, more dominant in those areas of my life with different people. And I think then it takes so much pressure off of your partner to show up for you, be the person that you, you know, Um, have a family with, start a business with, go to when you need support, go to when you're grieving, the person that you work out with and go hiking with on the weekends. And it's like, when you spend all your time together, then you lose that, that mystery that we were talking about earlier. Um, And so those are kind of like the three key things I think are super important about staying in the honeymoon phase. Yeah. Something I love that you keep coming back to is the importance of communication and Mm. I think that that is in both polyamorous and monogamous relationship. Yeah. Um, I actually tell my clients a lot when they, you know, especially my younger clients, they're like, yeah, I'm going to do this polyamory thing. I'm going to have more sex. It's like, 
reality check, you're going to have more communication. Yeah, a lot more talking, maybe less sex, actually. (laughs) Maybe less sex, more high quality sex, but like probably less. No, Um, I'm joking, but it's so true. You will talk way more than you do anything else when you open your relationship up to other partners. Yeah, can you tell tell us a little bit more about that? Because I think it's something that is so overlooked or Mm -hmm. not really considered when somebody's making this decision. Yeah. And I, I know it to be so true. I, you know, I started openly only four months ago. It's brand, brand new show and already just having its own Instagram account. I get a lot of people that want to talk about sex and that's like what they're interested in. And there's no shame in that. Like I'm not saying that that is a bad way to enter the space. That's what gets most people there. So I think that's great. And it's whatever gets you there. Um, but it's the, communication and the deepening of intimacy that's really the spice of being open because when you have to really own up to what you're feeling what your triggers are how that emotion what that naming that emotion is hard for people Um, and then going into how to move forward from it you create so much vulnerability and so when you see your partner like that first of all it's such a gift but it can be really challenging some people never experience that or that level of it until they try something brand new like this. That's like a shock to the nervous system. And so I think for people listening, it's important to know that that's gonna happen and be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it doesn't deter you because what likely seems scary, these conversations or seem like challenging or seem not worth it, they are the thing that's actually gonna make your relationship so much richer, so much more connected you'll you'll know each other on a deeper level you'll get over some of your own stuff if you really look and dig and like unearth where does the jealousy come from Mm -hmm. okay it's a fear of abandonment or it's a a feeling of inadequacy um it's coming from scarcity it's coming from my child it's not even mine it's generations old because for women you had to have a partner to survive right um because of the way our society has been set up so to really know that those conversations are so valuable not only are they coming but they're worth it and as scary as they are to like look at like a mountain ahead when you get there when you get past them you're gonna be so glad that you did it it's gonna feel like the ultimate like master class or graduation in in emotional intelligence and like and sexual intelligence and awareness um and so yeah because i get a lot you know and i'm not a therapist but i get so many people that are like oh my god we did this thing and now we feel super broken and it's like do a little bit of research first um even welcome to the club yeah Yeah, welcome (laughs) to the club and nothing is permanent right all of these emotions they just want to be heard they want to be felt um and likely like if you believe like I believe we're all on our own path, we're all on this course and our soul is putting us in these situations that are going to serve it for its like most um, like for its greatest expression and evolution. Our soul just wants to grow and evolve and it wants us as the humans to like elevate our level of awareness or consciousness, like whatever you want to call it. And so you're likely this is happening to you because you're ready for it. Like you and your partner together or you as a solo person who wants to be open and date or identifies as poly and isn't coupled up at the moment, like your higher self is like guiding you. And it's like, okay, great. You know what? We're ready for this. We're capable of it. We can handle it. Um, You know, people who subscribe to like religion would say like, God doesn't put anything in your path that you can't handle. And I believe that. It's like your, your like soul is on this little journey and it's like, I'm ready to grow like let's get out of this box and whether it's like a threesome experience or a kinky experience or not even a sexual experience but something that pops up with jealousy or like an emotional um, connection outside of your relationship that triggers something whatever it is you're likely ready for it and that's why it's happening so i invite everybody to to lean into it whatever version however deep it is for you at the moment and the other side is never as scary as it seems to be when you're looking at it. And so many of these same insecurities or relationship blocks and hard conversations, hard emotions 
are present in monogamy. It's not that they're only present in polyamory. They might come to the surface and bubble up a little bit quicker because you're kind of putting it in a pressure cooker in a way, but they're not things that weren't already there. And I think that so many people, you know, when polyamory quote goes wrong or doesn't work for somebody, um, it's often because it has nothing to do with the relationship container. It has everything to do with that person's willingness to identify these limiting beliefs or insecurities. Yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, a lot of, this is general and like, I know plenty of people in monogamous relationships who have really healthy relationships that love to grow, that love to, you know, explore their boundaries in all, in all types of ways. Um, but for the most part, people that are like, that could never be for me when they look at, um, polyamory or even like monogamish, it's because they are trying to avoid feeling uncomfortable emotions. Um, and that's just, you mean humans like to be comfortable all the time. (laughs) That's what we seek. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. Right. Um, and it's exciting to think like, you know, there's a whole other way to live. And it's doesn't have to be super volatile, right? Um, a lot of people think that that's the other thing. It's like a lot of people think that it will be. And we've we've had a little bit of an easy road of it at times. I think because we've gone so slow, meaning my husband and I, like we didn't ever really rush things or push things. We let things develop naturally. Um, and that's another thing I see with people who are just starting out. They want to do all the things really fast and they lack the integration period because of that. Um, I always like to say we dipped our toes in and then we would like talk about things. And so for us, it's like we would have like one experience or like we went to like our first play party like in LA. Um, And then we would like talk about how that thing was and how it made us feel. And I think because we both had a lot of the same tools and language because we had been in those like emotional intelligence courses together. So we like did the really conscious work of integrating and then we weren't trying to like layer the next thing on and like let's go on another date we weren't dating every weekend um but then when we did find like consistent partners then that was like kind of a new chapter and a new like realm we went into um but i think it's so important to know that you can go slow in in this idea of opening up if you want to Mm. Yeah. I mean, people tend to, and I know this sounds kind of like a blanket statement, but myself included, right? You, you drink the Kool-Aid or you get so fired up on something, whether it's a new fitness routine or, you know, some personal development or plant medicine or whatever it is. And people want to go so fast. So I love the reminder of slowing down and especially integrating. I just did a whole show on that where it's like, if you're, if you're learning the thing, but not putting it into practice, you're missing such a big point of it all. Yes. And I love that you kind of just brought up plant medicine because it's it's a mirror for relationships. And then this style, when I talk about integration, I'm like no stranger to plant medicine. And it's like one of my teachers always says the ceremony begins after the ceremony, not during it. And so if you don't take what happened in this incredible experience into your life and intentionally work in the lessons and make new decisions based on like what you learned and what your ahas were and constantly choose those new choices, then you're right. It was just some cool experience and the memory will do what the memory does to it and eventually it'll fade away. You can feel totally changed and reborn the same way, you know, after a ceremony that you can after a threesome. Yeah. Tell me more. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you can feel like, oh my God, that was incredible. Not only was it one of the best sexual experiences of my life, but I like, I took my jealousy head on like in that room and I sat in it if it was uncomfortable. Um, and I like, I was able to like step back and breathe and, and then I was able to let myself be super vulnerable and fully receive two people's attention on me without the feeling like, cause I'm a, you know, addicted to like people pleasing and giving in my former self. So these massive, like almost spiritual awakenings of myself in these experiences. And then if you don't wake up the next day and say, great, I'm going to like take that and like live this way now. And anytime like feelings of inadequacy pop up in my life, I'm going to remind myself of the work that I did in that room 
and I'm going to choose a new narrative in my mind. I'm going to literally correct that limiting belief or that that jealous emotion that's coming up. I'm going to sit with it. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to let it know it's okay. And then I'm going to let it go. And so it's really about like integration as an active implementation of your learnings. Um, the same way it is like if you, you know, are like getting a master's and you like take time to like put into practice all that you're learning. And so, yeah, I mean, threesomes have been a really big teacher. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that they can put all of your insecurities on display, right? It's mm -hmm. happening, right? Because for so many people, myself included, right? There's a narrative of what if he, she, they likes them more than me? What mm -hmm. if she does this better than me? What if her boobs are perkier than mine, right? Like all of from physical to spiritual to emotional, all of those insecurities can pop up. And I think that um, that was probably one of my biggest teachers in that space was, okay, this actually has nothing to do with him or her. Yeah. This has everything to do with an outdated story I've told myself for a really, really long time. And is it even my story? Is it even right. my truth? Does that even belong to me? Or was that fucking Walt Disney telling me that I was supposed to find Prince Charming? Yes, exactly. Um, and you're right. So for so many of us, I would argue the majority of us, it's not our story. It is the the system and the culture that we're born into. It's the you know, parents who just are doing their best with the tools that they have wanting to protect us. Um, but you're right. It's a cause to look at all of your stuff. Um, and, and I always love to share too, with like people who listen to my show, it's like, there's a very good chance her boobs are going to be perkier or well, I've never said exactly that, but bouncing off of what you said or that she does that differently. Um, or, you know, cause we've had threesomes with both men and women and Pasha's, um, you know, he's heterosexual, but in the room with another man, like there maybe he's thinking like he does this better or like look at how she's responding to this there's always going to be that and there's also the case that that thought is true but we live in a society of comparison and competition rather than just being in collaboration and to know that we're all so different and just because someone you know has an attribute that i don't doesn't make me less valuable it's like I like to remind people, it's like when you have multiple children, you don't love one of them more. I have friends, parent friends who are like, no, you actually do, but you just don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you can have like a favorite, but it doesn't mean that you don't want to take care of the other children. Um, and like there's different seasons where, you know, you will want other things in your life and being able to go get that need met and not have to actually break up with your person that you want to spend your life with is like the sweet sauce that I think people don't fully understand with polyamory. People are like, oh, but you know, what if they like them more? And I'm like, we are in a space where we're not comparing. There's not more or less. We're very committed to each other. And some people don't love the whole hierarchy in, in the polyamory world sometimes it gets like a bad rap but you know we're married we want to have a family together um but that doesn't mean that lauren isn't a part of our family um lauren is my girlfriend and well it's, i joke that she's my ex-girlfriend because we don't really have a label we're very fluid and it started with the three of us it actually started with the two of them they had a strong connection um and we were all friends but the first time anything romantic happened i was there i was involved mind-blowing um and the three of us carried on a full relationship romance for the better part of nine months to a year and then COVID happened and they fizzled out kind of romantically i think it brought up a lot for both of them of like primary partnership and lauren and i also were like well we don't want to like stop they, they went into like a best friend realm and have stayed there and they'll still be sexual from time to time like if we're all on vacation or we're very fluid in our relationship like they still kiss every time they see each other but she's you know actively dating other men and then she and i have carried on our relationship and we've never stopped so we're both romantic and then we also like built a business together um but 
The point that I'm making is like, she is such an important part of our lives who we, with all of our other partners, if we've ever had them and they've become like part of our community or at least someone that we spend time with, we want them to feel valued, like loved even, and like that there's no, this is my wife, she's better than you. It's very much like, obviously she's my wife, we're going to spend our lives together, but you are an amazing part of that. And a lot of people have become close friends or like even best friends in that way because we're not like putting our love on a, I don't know, we, we share our love very freely, I guess is the point that I'm trying to make with our community. And then so if Pasha does really like another girl because she's different than me or she stimulates like a different part of him, like mentally or emotionally, he doesn't have to break up with me. I can hold space for that and say, this is awesome. Um, I'm over here doing my thing. We still have our thing and you can have your thing. And when we come together, our relationship is often so much richer because we have so much mystery and actually like creating that distance creates more desire and people are like oh well this when they hear me say this but they think it's a bad thing i'm like how could working harder be a bad thing for your partner because 10 years in we're having the best sex of our lives because we're both having sex with other people so we you know we don't want to get complacent we don't want our sex to be like boring sex then so when it is about sex we come back and we're like trying all these new things and like i want to show up for him the way that i show up for lauren or you know vice versa so um i think that in some ways of it not being we don't look at things as like competition or comparison there is like a healthy sort of level of um reigniting um what's the word i'm looking for like not competition but um just like the way you want to show up almost mm. like the performing like reminding yourself the way you did in the first two years like where you would put on makeup and like yep get dressed up and like wear lingerie it's like reminding you that that stuff isn't like oh i have to try hard it's like that stuff's amazing it makes you feel good about you and so then you like are giving that you're giving yourself in your like fully loved and like taken care of version of you to your partner again. Um, I feel like that was like a long way around. But, a long way, yeah. but it's so important. And it brought up for me, I had a, a client um, actually the other night and I think that COVID sparked a lot of this too, um, was, you know, the, the, the complaint was, you know, I don't feel desired. Um, my partner doesn't, you know, come up behind me in the kitchen anymore and like want, want to like woo me or any of these things. And without sounding too, too blunt, I was like, do you want to woo you right now? You've been in the mm -hmm. same sweatpants for the last five days. You were in the same ones, our last session, you yeah. know? And so a lot of times we often think that we're doing this for our partner, but I love that you name, no, it's totally for you. Cause I know I feel better if I'm like, okay, I'm going to put on a sexy outfit. I'm probably not going to eat Indian food and be bloated. <laughs> right. Like yeah. I, we are totally, totally performing whether or not we want to call it that or admit to that in the first few months or years of relationship, because mm -hmm. we, you know, we plan I guess for lack of a better word, we plan for sex, right? When we're dating, yeah. maybe it's, I'm, it might not be conscious, but I'm going to shave my legs and mm -hmm. I might get waxed. I'm going to wash my sheets. I might light some candles. And there's no reason that that has to leave a relationship yeah. years down the line. And when it does, it's really sad for everyone involved, whether or not we recognize it. Yeah, absolutely. Because whatever you're doing on a regular basis creates consistency. And so mm -hmm. it's just about flowing the ebbs and flows. Like it's okay to get a little stagnant, but then once you realize you like want that change, like it's very simple to know what to go back to. But so many of us don't even realize the trouble of like staying in that stagnant place. And I love that you, that you shared that you said that with a client because that's something that my therapist told me. Like we started. Yes. Back. Validation. Yes, I'm doing yes. my, I'm doing the job. Right. <laughs> and I was such an aha for me. I was like, Oh my God, you're right. We, we like went back to, um, 
therapy. We had done it once, maybe two, three years ago. Oh, it was like right before the pandemic. Um, because we were like in a sticky place. We were having like a lot of friction. Um, and in like four or five sessions, we were in a great place and then we just stopped going. And that's like the biggest mistake I think you can make in couples or any therapy because we were like, great, we don't need this anymore. We're um, fixed. We're healed. Yeah, we're fixed. Right. And then lo and behold, like two years later, we got back to a very, like a worse place where we were like not focusing on a relationship at all. And for the first time ever, I think we were both like, oh shit, like, you know, we're almost 10 years in. What does this actually mean? And we were on different pages. We both are super passionate about our work. So we didn't have a lot in common at the moment. And sure enough, we went back to Gia. I love her so much. I always like I'm shouting her out. And within three sessions, we were like, oh my God, we just weren't communicating. We want all the same things. But, you know, you get a little bit of uh, too much of like little triggers and that like where you don't feel connected, that little bit of distance, if you don't address it, it breeds more and more and it grows. And so we were like super back on track right away. And we were like, you know what? We're going to stay in therapy. And so we have, and now we're like optimizing every area of our life together, which has been such a gift, such a journey. And we both wanted to do individual therapy. We feel like we don't even need to at this point because so much of what we learn based on our relationship has been a cause for, you know, some inner child work and then we just do it in session together which is cool and the other person like kind of witnesses that which I really love um so yeah PSA stay in therapy <laughs> yes <laughs> yes please say that louder I tell people one yes. of the biggest um misconceptions of therapy is that you have to go when something's wrong right that therapy is only there when we're in crisis and yeah that's totally true right I am here to be in crisis management However, yeah. if that's the only role I'm in, that's all we're going to do. And mm -hmm. if you are in a state where you need crisis management, there is zero way I'm bringing up your childhood trauma because right. you can't actively talk about that or hold that right now. Yeah. So I tell people all the time, they're like, oh, I'm too healthy for therapy. I'm like, you're the perfect candidate for therapy because you can do the shit. You're in a place yes. where you can start to look at these really deep patterns and get curious about them. Yeah. And you can work on them so safely. Sorry, I'll just say this last thing about therapy. Like you work on them in such a safe place that they are big and you're unearthing big stuff, but these are things that will continue to develop into crisis, like down the line over and over again. So if you can sort of do it now in a place where you have space for it and like you can integrate it properly and like work it into your life, it's so much better than it being the thing that's like putting you on the verge of like a nervous breakdown or a divorce or quitting your job and like cutting off your hair, you know, Brittany, Brittany in 08. Yeah. So we have talked about a lot of really, really helpful things. And I would imagine that if somebody were considering polyamory, it might be the kind of conversation that pushes them more towards that decision or having that conversation with their partner. And with full disclosure, when my, I had a past partner, um, bring up the idea of an open relationship and probably did it in like the least tasteful way you could do it. Right. Like there's when, when polyamory is not even on your radar and it's brought in, in a way that just shatters your world, every insecurity came up for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like what about me? Isn't enough or why is she so hot? Right. All of, all of the insecurities we named earlier were like in my face. And so my initial reaction was like, no, 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 absolutely yeah. not. Like, what do you know? Yeah. Go break up with me, go be with whoever you want. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, all of Lindsay's avoidant tendencies, uh, came out. <laughs> and so, um, just for my own curiosity and for people listening, how might you, have that conversation in an intentional and conscious way that's not just like blowing apart your partner's reality yeah it's such a good question and i think that because i've tried to answer this before in a concise way and it's there's not really a one-size-fits-all to this conversation but i love talking about it because there are so many good ways to go about it right um, and that's what you're speaking to. It's like, what are the healthy ways and what are the ways to like, 
be soft about it and to do it in a collaborative way, I think is the most important thing. Because what you're speaking to is you feel like you were kind of like left behind or like out of the equation. Whereas in my, the, the experience that I can speak to that's been so healthy for Pasha and I was like, oh, it was accidental. So great, you know? And that's not going to happen. Oh, lucky you. Yeah. Everybody's like, <laughs> oh, oh Jessica so had the yeah. perfect intro. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that one of the things that really worked for us was we were talking about our fantasies beforehand. So when it kind of materialized in real life, it was less scary. Um, and I love when people can start to step into like, you know, looking at an an erotic blueprint, right? Looking at your blueprint, seeing what you and your partner have in common and seeing what you don't. And um, this is like the longer version, right? Cause I have another version, but making sure that the sex that you're having with your partner is like great sex already. Because if you wanna open up from a place of scarcity or if either person feels like, oh, they wanna do this because like I'm not enough, it's already gonna start off on this like uneven ground. So to do it from a place where you feel sexually fulfilled and you want to add to your relationship, um, like that's a great thing to say and communicate to your partner. But first, you've got to like get your sex to that place. So make sure you're at a level where you're like actively like showing up, how we talked about, for one another. Um, and, you know, being givers in bed with each other and then it's like great to open it up to like kink and exploration because then those conversations can lend to like do you fantasize about other people for me i'd never even experienced another woman but i knew i was attracted to them for so long so when pasha just asked me that question i was like i felt you know i didn't feel like it triggered me it was almost disarming I was like, yeah, I I am and I have been and I've not felt safe to share that with anybody. Um, and if you're- What a relief, right? Like I feel my shoulders drop. It's like we have the permission to actually, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a scary thing sharing your fantasy. It can be such an opening and and shared experience. Yeah. And I think when you come from that place of like, I want to know because I don't want us to like have secrets. I want us to acknowledge the fact that just because we made a commitment to each other doesn't turn off all of our physical receptors that we have in our biology that when we see an attractive thing walk by, our body is going to have a physiological response that we can't control. So let's all be adults and be honest about that, right? Um, And you don't have to say it like that. But I think bringing that into the conversation and just saying, you know, for, for us, especially like Pasha was like, I've denied that part of myself in all of my relationships for the fear of like hurting my partner or making them jealous. But what I'm actually doing is I'm chipping away at my own integrity because mm. I'm now I'm forced to deny this inherent part of myself that I can't control that's biological, right? And I don't want people to hear that men can't control themselves because you can control your actions, but you, you can't control your turn on. Um, I mean, you can try to, but these basic like human responses that we have, like as a woman, I know that I cannot control if my pussy is going to get wet or not, you know, it will or it won't. And right. sometimes I see something and I have no idea that that's going to turn me on and it does. And I'm like, well, hot damn. I didn't know that, you know, that was a thing. I unlocked a new level today. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that like baby stepping into even talking about these desires in a safe way without the intention of ever even acting on them or like, you know, we both, we we're adults and we know that maybe the person is bringing it up because they want to act on it, but creating a space that says like, I just want to talk about this. Like maybe we act on it in the future, but for now I want to feel into like, what are your, if we're going to be together for the rest of our lives, like what are some things that you want to do and explore? It might not even be other people. It might be power dynamics or bondage or impact play. Um, you know, and there's so many ways to do like opening up that don't have to mean that there would be an emotional or a romantic relationship, you know, with, with somebody like a couple can go and hire a sex worker you know, cause there's this whole stigma around unicorn hunting now, which I'll just like put a cap on. It's like, there's a lot of people in the like ethical non-monogamy community who are like, it's, it's, you know, unethical to just be like searching for a third woman all the time. 
And a friend of mine brought up, like we were having this conversation. I'm like, if it feels safer for a couple to just hire someone who's a professional, and many of these people in this space do incredible healing work. Like this is like literally what they do is like sexual fulfillment and that feels safer. Um, I think that that is actually a great way for people who haven't been in the space and might make a little bit of an emotional, emotional mess if they're like just diving in to like almost hire someone who's there. It's not their job to not get emotionally involved. Right. And you'd be surprised at like the, the women that are and men that are actually available for that. Um, which was eye opening to me because I just started, I realized that like six months ago because a friend brought that up to me and I was like, oh my God, you're right, you know? Um, so there's a lot of ways to, to even have the conversation and to start opening up. And, you know, once you go down the rabbit hole, then there's lots of apps and other people in this community, way more people than anyone would ever imagine um, that are into all of this stuff. Oh my gosh. I can already tell that we, hardly scratch the surface that you're going to have to come back that I yeah. know I'm going to get a million questions after this uh, episode launches. So I can't wait to have you back. I love that we talked about how to have the conversation, being intentional, slowing down. People think everything has to be permanent, right? Um, you're allowed to hit the accelerator. You're allowed to hit the brakes. You're allowed to coast for a little bit. And I think people forget that often. So I so appreciate you bringing that to the forefront of this conversation. If people are interested, I know you mentioned retreats. Um, you've talked about your show a handful of times. I know you have different social platforms. What's the best way that people can get a hold of you, work with you, connect with you? Yes. So um, again, thank you so much for having me because this has been a blast. And I would love to share that. Um, yeah. So the podcast is on Apple, iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about, you know, relationships through my lens of non-monogamy, it's open late, the podcast. Um, and then in the work that I do as a coach, mainly that doesn't have anything to do with open relationships or, or polyamory, um, with my partner, Lauren, we run women's retreats that are, um, centered around healing, uh, the goddess inside of you and unleashing that goddess. So working with your feminine energy to uncover it, to heal it, and to have women just be like fully embodied in that side of themselves that so often we turn off because of societal norms, um, and what's asked of us in our very patriarchal society. So yeah, and you can find that my website is just jessicasfandiari.com. We have two retreats coming up this spring. Awesome. I can already tell that I want to talk all about those retreats right now. is not the time. So <laughs> <laughs> the mic is always open, Jessica. Thank you so much. Thank you. Lindsay. It's been a blast.